In Parashas Devarim, when Moshe blesses the Jewish people with exponential growth, they feel shortchanged because ultimately human brachas are nothing like divine brachas. Al-Aposuk, when commenting on the Pasuk that says, Hashem Moshe says to the Jewish people that Hashem, God of your fathers, Yosef Aleichem Kochem Elef Pe'omim, may he increase who and what you are now a thousand times over, and he should bless you as he has said he would, Pirish Rashi, Rashi explains as follows. He says, what's Moshe telling him? He's telling them, Yosef Hashem Aleichem, that Hashem should increase Kochem Elef Pe'omim, that he should increase you a thousandfold means. So Rashi has a question. What is You've just said you're blessing them that they'll increase a thousandfold. So why does Moshe now repeat? And he should bless you as he has said he would bless you. He already said a thousandfold. What do you mean? And as he already said he'd bless you. Says Rashi, the Jews said to Moshe, Moshe, you're limiting our bracha. Hashem already promised our forefather Avram Avinu that how would we increase that would be so many it'd be impossible to count. So why are you saying only a thousand times? So said to them, I'm giving you my bracha. He then repeats, and Hashem will bless you as he had said to you. Okay, where does Rashi get this insight from? This is a concept that is brought both in the Sifri and the Medrash on this week's parasha, which is, let's see how the Sifri says it. The Jews said to Moshe, We don't want you to give us this bracha. Because because they wished already promised Avram Avinu. Omari said, I will increase your seed like the stars of the heavens. And not only that, I'm going to make them as numerous as the grains of sand on the earth. You want to now limit it down to just a thousand times our number? And the Sifri there gives a Moshe, which we'll look at again later, basically with a youngster who the king felt was the, the prince was not, uh, he was not, wasn't mature enough to look after his own things. So he appointed somebody to provide for him. And at some point he says, yeah, but you know, you're not giving me everything I deserve. And the person in charge says, don't worry, your father will give you what you really deserve. This is what Moshe says to the Eden. David is going to bench you with a thousandfold growth. That's my brocha that I can give to you. That's what I can give you. Then, in addition to that, then, in addition to that, David will bless you as he promised you, which is like the sand of the sea, and like the things that grow out of the ground, and like the fish of the oceans, and like the stars in the heavens. Okay, that's the Sifri. Of a Medrash, is a slightly different wording in the Medrash, Medrash Rab, that says, this is what the Eden said, Rabbeinu Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, loy nosan kitzvah lebirchaiseinu. They should put no limits on our brachas. Ve'atomat elef piyomim, and you give us only a thousandfold. So Amaloyim, he says, Ma'ashe berachte yaschem misheli birchasi. I gave you the broch that I'm capable of giving you. In the future, when Nebuchadnezzar comes to bless you, then he'll fulfill the promise that he made to Avram Avinu. Okay? So, it would seem very much that what Rashi is saying simply, as the Midrashim are also saying, 
it would seem that the big issue over here is that the Eden had a complaint that Abish's brachas have no limits. So the pshat is that Abish promised that the Jews will become so numerous, there's no end, there's no amount, there's no way you can count us. Vehim Cain, which is why the Jews complain, why does Moshe give them a bracha only a thousand times increase? Which sounds limiting. Okay, so the pshat is that it sounds like everybody, Rashi and the Sifri and the Medrash, are all expressing this question the Jews had why are you strangling our brachas? The only thing is, if you pay attention to Rashi's language, it doesn't actually sound like that's what he's saying. Move on, four questions. Aleph, Why does Rashi take an approach to interpreting this Pasuk, which is completely different to both the Sifri and the Medrash? Rashi's big driving question was, why is the Brocha repeated twice in the same Pasuk? Not, why does Moshe only say a thousand times? Look what Rashi's language was. Why, after saying that you'll be blessed a thousand times, does he then repeat and he'll bless you as he said. How come Rashi does not tell us the complaint the Jews would have had, which is the way the Sifri and the Medrash started this conversation? Especially when you consider that Rashi doesn't usually spell out for us what the question on the Pasuk is. He just goes straight into the interpretation. And if we've seen many times. So Rashi doesn't sound like he's saying exactly the same thing as the Medrash and the Sifri, because he's coming from a different angle. Second of all, base. Even if we didn't consider Rashi's question, why is the bracha repeated in the Pasuk? Rashi would have to get to this point of saying, Moshe is giving his own bracha, which is different to the Abish's bracha. Because otherwise we'd have the very obvious question that it sounds like Moshe is contradicting what Hashem says. Hashem says, you're going to be like the stars and uncountable. And Moshe is saying only a thousand times. So Rashi would have to address this anyway, right? How come it is that when Rashi explains what bothered the Jewish people, what does he say? Their problem is rooted in If that, just as it's impossible to count the stars and the sand, so you can never count the Jewish people. Now that's totally different to Loikeba Sifri from the way the Sifri says it. The Sifri focused on the beginning of that same promise from Hashem, which, which is I'll make your progeny as numerous as the sand. Over and above the fact that it would be as numerous as the stars. So Rashi is focusing on you cannot count the Jews. That's what bothers the Yidden. And the Sifri and Medrash are focusing on the fact that David just said we're going to be like sand and stars. Why are you only saying a thousand times? So why the difference between Rashi and the Midrashim? And lastly, Dalit Me'achash Rashi Miyasha Befirushai. Seeing as Rashi only addresses in his commentary, he's only addressing why it says a thousand times as opposed to all these other alternatives, you know, not being able to count the Yidden. 
Why does he also quote words from the Pasuk that he doesn't explain that Debeshter should increase? He should have only put in the headline Elef Peomim because that's what Rashi does. He gives us the words that he plans to explain. Now there's a broader question we have to understand. It's a fundamental question to this whole concept. And it's not a question on Rashi or the Medrash. It's a question on the whole story. What's Moshe adding by giving this bracha to the Jews? Blessing us that we'll increase a thousandfold. Nechleles is already included, and not only that, it's actually insignificant in the context of Hashem's bracha, which is that he had promised us, which has no limits. And this is logically strong as a question, considering that we know the Gemara always tells us, if you have 200, naturally 100 is included. So if you have an increase, a promise from Hashem that you'll increase beyond measure, obviously a thousand times is also included. Okay, so the Mephoshim asked that question. They offer two answers that we'll consider, and the Rebbe will be dissatisfied with both answers. Many perspectives that the Mephoshim argue. Number one, One possibility is that it gives a massive bracha, far greater than Moshe's, but it's conditional. And it doesn't happen unless we do Torah mitzvahs. Whereas Moshe does not put any prerequisites. It's a blanket bracha, thousand times increase. Or another alternative from the Mephoshim, Beis, Moshe Moshe's brocha is current, whereas the massive exponential growth of the Jewish people that, that Hashem promises, that's only going to happen in the time of Moshiach. Now these are great explanations. They only work to answer the Sifri and the Medrash, not Rashi. Why? Because Besifri Muva, we already know the Sifri quoted. Now we'll read it in full. There was a king, it's the parable of a king who has many, many assets. And he has a son who's young and immature. And now the king has to travel. So he says, if I'm going to leave my assets in the hands of my child, he's going to splurge and spend everything and bankrupt himself. Instead, I'm going to appoint somebody to be his custodian until he's older. And then later on, the boy grows up and he says to the custodian, Hey, where's my money? So the custodian tells him, Anything that I've allocated to you over all this period of time is only from the budget I was given to work with. But what your father really wants you to have, it is hidden away, it's under, it's secure, so that you can get it at the right time. So that tells you the Sifri is talking about that the bracha that Hashem gives is not at the same time or in the same state that the child is in, which is of course metaphorical of the Jewish people, at the time of the bracha of the custodian, which in this case is Moshe. In other words, the Medrash is clear. The two stages of brochas. Moshe's brocha at a particular point in history. Hashem's brocha at a later point in history when Mashiach comes. And this is perhaps even more 
obvious in the language the Medrash uses, then the Medrash talks about when the king will, future tense, come. Of an imshal Hakodesh Baruch Hu, which of course references the time that the Eibushter will come to give us the full bracha. Shebeis brachaselo hein bismanim shonim. Two brachas, two different times. That's great. So the Mefarshim's explanations work perfectly according to the Medrash. But Rashi, Rashi doesn't take that approach at all. And Mefarish Pshutay Shol Mikra Rashi, who explains the simplest understanding of the pasuk, Kosev Stam didn't give timelines. He just said simply, Zoy Misheli, the bracha I'm giving you is my bracha. He'll give you the bracha that he already said he would keep. In other words, Rashi doesn't say anything of these two perspectives in the Medrash, that either it's contingent on your behavior or that it's two different stages in history. And he doesn't even allude to the fact that there are two different stages or two different conditions. Vim came move on, which implies Rashi, that according to Rashi's perspective, Yesh has There's a simple explanation of the difference between Moshe's and Hashem's Brocha. Rashi does not have to even hint why Moshe would give a Brocha when Hashem already gave a Brocha. And we need to know what's that obvious explanation. It's as follows. If you're reading Pshat, which is Rashi's domain, and the truth is, you could even plug this into the Midrashic perspective. There is no rational reason to ask, Hey, Moshe, why, Moshe, did you limit your bracha to only a thousand times growth? Whereas Hashem had promised no limits at all. Well, obviously. Because a person, no matter who they are, no matter how great they are, they're a person created by Hashem and therefore finite and limited. So they can't give a bracha that's infinite because they aren't infinite. As is explained in great detail in different books of philosophy like the Tzemach Tzedek Sefer HaKira, that if you take finite things and you add, add them together or pile them on top of each other, all the finite addition in the world can never reach infinite, logically. A great example is, the passage of time, cannot be infinite. There is no concept of infinite time. Why not? Because time is comprised of minutes that become hours, that become days, that become weeks, that become years. If it were possible that you could take a whole lot of time and add it all up and create infinite time, then you're going to have relative infinities. So you'd, you'd land up with this weird relative time-bending reality. Okay, so there's infinite hours made up of finite minutes, or infinite minutes that make up so many finite hours. It's just not possible that you could have relative infinity. Either something is infinite or it's finite. If you really enjoyed the subject, have a look at what the Tzemach Tzedek says, because it's beyond the scope of the Sikha. What's relevant for us is, 
a human, even Moshe Rabbeinu himself, has finite abilities and therefore cannot give an infinite bracha, whereas Hashem can. So it's not a big deal. How did Moshe only offer them a thousand times? Because that's what he has available. Bichlal, so therefore we have to understand, so what's going on over here? We're talking about the large numbers, exponential growth. What do we really mean? So Bichlal, Bepashtos Meduva Besifri of a Medrash, most likely the Sifri and the Medrash are talking, They weren't talking about literally that there should be Jews of an infinite number. Rather, they're describing like the sand. It's not infinite sand or infinite stars. Just a massive amount that's beyond human comprehension. That I will bless your children like the stars. And I'll make them like the sand. Without assigning a particular number to that. What Debesh is saying is that there'll be so many Yidin. That would be incredibly difficult, near impossible, to count them. Like you can't start counting grains of sand. Does that mean that there's no number to sand? Of course there's a number. David knows how many grains of sand there are. We just don't have the capacity to count them. Right? Look at the sand of the sea. And That is part of the promise to Avram. Like the beach sand. As the Sifri also used that expression. There is a finite number of grains of sand. It's just that there's so many that we can't count them. They cannot be counted because of how many they are, not because they're beyond number. You can also see this illustrated or reflected in the Pasuk about Yosef at the time of preparing for the great famine of Mitzrayim. There the Pasuk says, that Yosef collected produce. Like it was so much, it was like the sand of the sea, the beach sand. The Pasuk says, till they stopped counting because they could no longer count. Let's be honest, how much food did Yosef collect? Enough to sustain a nation for seven years. That's what Yosef gathered. It was obviously a finite amount of grain. What the Torah wants us to know is, finite as it was, it was such a massive amount. The guy, the accountant who was in charge of auditing how much grain, stopped counting. Because his system of accounting ran out of numbers or ran out of columns or whatever it was. So his system failed. That doesn't mean that there was an infinite amount of grain. So now, let's look through the, before we get to Rashi, let's look from the perspective of the Medrash and the Sifri. The, the complaint to Moshe was, if you can put a number, even if the number is a thousand fold, it's still a number that limits our brocha. Why? Because it's a smaller number, considerably smaller number than what Eibishter said. Because it's a number that still works in the system. You can still count it. You can still get an Excel spreadsheet. It's not going to give you an error sign. So it's still countable. Whereas what the Eibishter gave is beyond what we can count. That's the Midrash issue. 
But Rashi's not looking from a Medrash perspective. He's looking at Pshat. That's not such a big question. Let's be honest. Take the Jews, the population of that time, and multiply it by a thousand. It's a mega number. Therefore, Rashi doesn't start with that. Ooh, the big question that the Yidin are complaining. It's not such a big question in Pshat. Keep a Sifri over Medrash. The Sifri and the Medrash have other concerns. But in Pshat, is it such a big shocker that Moshe is exp- uh, promising them they'd be a thousand times greater than they are? It's okay. It's also a huge number. It kind of fits with what they used to promise. What does bother Rashi in Pshat? What does bother Rashi is Maushuvi Kashedi You just gave a bracha that they're going to be a thousand times greater, and straight away you say, and Hashem should bless you, as he said. That's what gets us thinking. That's what stimulates the question that the Jews say, hey, one second, double bracha in this pasuk. That gets us thinking there's a difference between your brocha and Hashem's brocha, as we shall see. So let's first start with the most simple understanding, the pshat understanding, so to speak. The Jewish population at the time was 600,000 adult Jewish males. In addition to which, you have any other males who were not yet 20. And who were over the age of 60, plus Venoshim, there were women, Vetaf, and children. Any modest guess at how many Jews there were at the time, it's 2 million at least. Okay, so Haresh, Elef multiply that by a thousand, it's 2 billion people. According to Pshat, it would not make any sense that the Jews would complain about that. That the Jews would turn around to Hashem and they'd say, Oh, is it really correct that the one nation on earth should only be 2 billion people? Even today, so many years later, where the world's population has exploded to almost 8 million people, 2 billion would be massive. So according to Pshat, they're not going to complain about that. Especially void vegamzika. Rogila Dovashabamiras Elef Piomim, it's absolutely common in Torah than when we use the expression a thousandfold. It's not exact. Just means a massive exponential explosion of numbers. Which could be a lot more than a thousand, and you'd still refer to it as a thousandfold. That would be Pshat also when Moshe says, you're going to increase a thousand times. It means a thousand thousands or a thousand thousand thousands. So according to Pshat, the first issue in this passage is not that you're saying, why are you limiting us? And especially when you think about it practically. The reality is how many Jews could exist on the, on the planet? It's never going to be the same amount of stars in the heavens or sand on the earth. Because the continental space on earth is limited. We're told. The Chazal tell us that the, the entire area of land mass on this earth is only 600 parasites. And work it out 
mathematically. Every person needs their personal space, which is approximately four hours, two meters or so. You could do the math and you could work out how many humans fit on this earth, on this whole earth. And especially when you consider again practically. That they are for you, and they will always be, even in the time of Mashiach, there's not only going to be Jews, there's other humans as well. And there's animals. Bottom, people have to have homes. They have to have places of agriculture. Beyond that, where do Jews belong according to Torah? Not in Shanghai and, and, and Frisco. Where it's Israel, we belong in Israel. Yes, it is called the land that stretches like the skin of a deer, so it expands when it's full of people. But no matter how much it's going to stress, stretch, it's always only going to just be a fraction of the continental landmass. So therefore it is absolutely logical that the maximum amount of human population that this earth can accommodate it is way less than the amount of sand on the continent and it certainly is less than the grains of sand right across the oceans because of course the oceans occupy greater space than earth so coming back to the simplest understanding of the Pasuk, when Moshe promises them that they're going to expand a thousandfold, it's not a problem or a contradiction to what the Ebeshter had promised them. So that's not the first issue that Moshe is going to raise. Oh, that, sorry, that Rashi is going to raise. Let's be honest. When we said that you're going to be like the stars or like the sand, when the Abish just said that, it was used colloquially, not literally. Not that it literally be exactly the same amount of Jews as stars or grains of sand. And the truth is, even saying a thousandfold could also be a colloquial term to mean without number. That's not what bothers Rashi. The fact that the Pasuk repeats after Moshe blessing them, and in addition to that, the Ebeshter will bless you as he has said he would. That tells us something forced Moshe to say this statement. Something upset the Jews and he had to respond. And he's responding to a complaint that they had. Therefore, after identifying that the language lends itself to Moshe now responding, don't worry, Hashem will still bless you as he promised. Now Rashi says, that it's because the Yidin said, you're limiting our broches. That Avraham Avinu was already promised that we would be beyond what could be counted. So how come Moshe, you're limiting us? Now let's look at that pasuk. Allah pasuk yuchal That pasuk that says, "Is it rhetorically? Is it possible for a person to count?" Kosef Rashi Rashi said on that pasuk back then with Avraham Avinu, just as it cannot be that anybody would ever be able to count the sand, likewise your children, your descendants will never be counted. That implies that Rashi is telling us, 
that the bracha Hashem gave loy hoisa shiyu beriboy kolkach ka'afar ha'aretz is not that we will be the same amount of people as there are grains of sand. Elo, it's keshem kach, right? It's like, it's comparable. Shem ipnei ha'riboy ha'muflog because of the incredible number of people. Lo yimnu, they won't be counted. Keshem sha'afar ha'aretz e'ninimne like sand can't be counted. That was the question slash confrontation of the Jews to Moshe. You're going to now limit our bracha? They promised us we're going to have such numbers that can't or won't normally be counted. As Rashi himself said. How could... Moshe use any number, even a number which could imply massive. Why use a number? A number implies something which can be counted. The whole foundation of the bracha from Hashem to Avram Avinu is that you can't be counted. Comes along Moshe and says, and you will be counted a thousand times. Doesn't matter about It doesn't matter that a thousand times could be the most massive exponential explosion of population. As we mentioned, that it could be a loose term or even an exaggerated term to imply multiple, multiple, multiple increases. The key indicator of here is something related to numbers which have a limit. If it's a relative term, remember what we said, if all the minutes become hours and all the hours become days, it can never turn infinite. So if you take 600,000 Jews plus all the women and the elderly and the kids, and it's now 2 million people, that's a number. And then, you multiply that number even by a massive number, it's still a number. That's the issue that Jews have. How are you taking Hashem's brocha, which is fundamentally beyond number, giving it a number. And that's a big difference between the perspective that the Medrash and the Sifri present versus what Rashi does. If you look through the perspective of the Medrash and the Sifri, what did the Jews complain to Moshe? You're limiting Abrochus Hainu. In other words, their complaint is you're giving us far fewer people than they gave us because he said you could They just said it would be like stars and sand. And you're saying just a thousand times our current population size. Which explains, by the way, why the Sifri quotes early in the conversation a pasuk that actually comes later in the conversation. That will increase your descendants like the stars in the heaven. Why does the Sifri do that? To clarify that the intention of the pasuk that when it says that you'll be like the sand, it's not like Rashi who says, just like sand can't be counted. No, it actually means so many people like the sand. And so the major says, Moshe's cutting down the numbers majorly. According to Rashi, that's not the, the issue. That when the Yidin say you're limiting our brachas, and they're not saying Hashem said that massive number, and you're saying that smaller number. 
according to Rashi, the issue, issue is, why is a number part of this conversation at all? David promise would be beyond number. Why are you talking numbers? That's why he quotes, He doesn't quote the psukim that speak about stars and sand. Because those, those could theoretically have numbers to them. There's a finite amount of stars, even if I don't know how to count them. And the same with sand. And as a pasuk, rather, what does Rashi quote? The pasuk, Asherim Yuchal Ish Limnois Vegoyma Kenal. He quotes the pasuk, what? The question of whether it can be counted. Because that's Rashi's point. The Jews are saying, why are you talking about something being counted when Nebuchadnezzar promised us a bracha that can never have a number put on it? So now Moshe's got to answer them. He answers, that's my bracha. But he will bless you as he sees fits. In other words, Moshe is not clashing with Hashem. His brocha includes Hashem's brocha. His brocha includes what David promised. Because now I'm speaking. If it's a bracha coming from me, a human, nearest it will appear, and therefore will be stated, as if it has its limits. But the Eivishtu will bless you as he wishes to bless you. Meaning, I'll say what humans can say, but the Eivishtu will fill in the gaps as the Eivishtu can. That he is going to bless you like it's impossible to count. And it's not a clash. I'll say what humans can say and the Ebeshter will do what the Ebeshter can do. You can actually see this in the language. May Hashem increase upon you as you are. Moshe is a human. Who is limited both by time and space. Moshe is a human being. Moshe is an Hashem is a different story. But Moshe is a human being. Cannot escape the world of finite boundaries. He can't escape the fact that this is the current population size of the Jewish people. He sees what he sees, their reality, and then gives them a bracha. What bracha can he give them? Relative to who you are, I bless you with more. Because that's what a human is capable of. Whereas the Eibishter's bracha has no limits. Therefore the Eibishter can use expressions like just as nobody can count the sand, so your children will grow, so nobody can count them. That means that Moshe sees them as they are now. The Ebeshter looks at them now and sees how they will be in the future. That they will be so great, so numerous, that they can't be counted. A kind of example of how this works, we'll see, when Abish just said the Aseris Adibros, one statement, all ten Dibros. 
לאחר מכן, גם נאמרו אוסום, עשר סדיבר, אסכול דיבר ודיבר בפני עצמו, and then it came out individually with every single one of the דיברויס. So it's a similar kind of thing. They were just saying you're going to be numerous. They were just going to see how that's going to be. We can't see how it is, but it will play out. Now, all of this has a very deep spiritual backstory. Let's look at what the Hasidus within Rashi says. The Arizal brings in his writings, the week that the Rebbe said, the Sikha that Matzah Shabbos was the fifth of Av, which is the Arizal's Yerzeit. The Arizal quotes on this saying, where Moshe says, This that I'm giving you, that's my brocha. And what goes beyond this, that's what Abish is going to give you. So the Arizal says something very intriguing. Ki Moshe, the name Moshe is begin Matya Kel Shindaladyut. A particular combination of divine names. Vekasher Oisis Bimiluyon, when you take those letters and then you spell out the full spelling of each letter. Kaze Alef Lamed. That's for Kel, right? But you spell it. Aleph is Aleph Lamed Pei. Lamed is Lamed Mem Dalad. Shin Dalad Yud, etc. So you put them all together. Yalu Bigimachi Aleph, you get to a value of a thousand. He says that Rizal Ha'elef Shal Bina. It's the number 1000 that represents the ultimate state of Bina, the ultimate state of divine understanding. Says that Rizal. Moshe was able to reach at Imo until that level of Bina in the realm of Atsilus, ultimate understanding of God. And therefore his brocha fits with that. The number 1,000, an increase of 1,000, which is the number associated with Bina Ilo'o, with the ultimate Bina as it is in the spiritual realms. Therefore he says, Adkan Misheli. That's as much as I can lift you. That's as much as I can endow in you. What Bina of Atzilus has to offer. Anything beyond this, any brocha beyond this, that comes from the parts of Abba, which is basically Chochmah in the highest realms, totally beyond Binu. So this gives us one of those beautiful moments where you see the harmony between the simple understanding of the Pasuk and the most esoteric understanding of the Pasuk. The numbers and the nature of the Brocha dovetail with what's going on in the spiritual realms. Let's explain that better. The idea of no limits. Let's first look through the lens of the, of the Sifri and the Medrash. They said, According to the Sifri and the Medrash, when it says, it doesn't mean that there's no number. It's where you borrow a term and actually you're referring to massive numbers. So whenever you're using, even if you're borrowing the term without number, we're reading Torah. Torah is truth. So the concept must be truth. In other words, from the perspective of the Midrash, when the Ebsheh promises Avraham Avinu, your children are going to be like sand, like the beach sand, like the stars. A number that's just beyond what we can count. The reality is if there's something in this world that is so extensive that we can't count it, 
It must be because it is linked to a spiritual dimension that is beyond what can be counted, defined, limited, etc. How does that play out in our world? In the supernal realms, it's truly beyond counting, truly beyond number, truly beyond comprehension. How do we experience it in our world? We experience it as something which is so numerous, so extensive, we can't put a number on it. In other words, the so-called number of limits of this element, of the Jews being like stars or sand, it's not because Jews are fundamentally finite and therefore could be like the grains of sand, that even though there are so many, they're actually finite. The fact that the Jews live in a finite reality is a function of the fact that our neshamas entered this world. Living in a finite physical world. But if you really analyze who Jews are at our core, in Yonom, our truest reality, our truest source, is actually beyond the concept of numbers or limits or boundaries, etc. Jews are infinite. So now looking from the perspective of the Sifri and the Medrash, when we speak of these promises that the Jews will be numerous like the sand and like the stars that can't be counted, the Medrash is saying the reason that that exists is because of the infinite root of the Jewish soul. Because we derive from worlds that are completely beyond definition, higher than the realm of Atsilus, because as holy as Atsilus is, it's something we can describe and, and in a sense define. But if you're going to talk about numbers, and this is the complaint of the Jews, why are you using numbers? A thousand, that's part of the numbers cycle. That is, that must be talking about something which only begins in a spiritual realm of definition, i.e. ten spheres. Those are numbers. Yes, they are in the world of Atsilos. Yes, it's very powerful, but it's a world of finite realities compared to the Olamois so according to the Medrash and according to the Sifri, that's the dynamic that's going on over here. The Abishah links us in to something which is completely infinite and Moshe speaking a language of spiritual, godly, holy, but yet with its limits. But when you look from the perspective of Rashi, but Rashi was not talking about the fact that the Jews are going to become so massive. He says, it's just like you can't count the sand, so you won't count us. But practically, we're not going to be as many as the grains of the sand. And there's a big distinction between how that bracha is voiced by Hashem and how it's voiced by Moshe. Moshe's bracha is the fact that we have limits on how many of us there will be that's something that you could see. It's tangible. It's experienced. Look at look around. We're going to have our limits. So is there the possibility that that limitation won't be experienced by us? Where you'll be like the sand. The sand practically has number. 
you just don't feel the number. It's just so much sand. You don't feel the concept of it being finite. And that's Berichas HaKadosh Baruch Hu That would be Hashem's Baruch because we know that every single thing that exists in reality derives from a, an original spiritual source. If we're talking about the possibility of whether or not you can count something, we're talking about a reality that can be contained. The world of Atsilus, there's the possibility of a keli containing the reality as we've already identified. Ten different kinds of energies. Each one looks different because each one is housed differently or expressed differently, which are the kalim. That's where the reality of division, separation, definition, and numbers come from. If you're operating from that reality, a world where there are definitions and distinctions, you eventually land up with a reality where there are numbers and limits. Whereas, if we would be looking at where things originate in a world of energy, of oil, the oil that illuminates and animates those kalim, but is fundamentally beyond kalim, in other words, it's a spiritual dimension where there are none of those limits and vessels, once you tune into the world of Ur, that will evolve into our world, into something that doesn't seem to have number. Something that is so massive, so numerous, that it's like the sand or the stars, because you've tapped into a reality that's not bound by distinction and number and limits, etc., so therefore the difference effectively between Moshe and David's broch is Do you feel the limits of the Kalim? Kalim are realities that Hashem defined that are going to distinguish Chesed from Gevura. Uh, well, let's not say that. One type of energy from another. Do you feel that? Do you feel those limits? Do you feel those distinctions? Or are you beyond them? Which means, as far as the Medrash is concerned, the Ebrish's Brocha originates from Keser, where there is no possibility of any kind of limitation or definition or number. Whereas Rashi's interpretation is that David's brocha is not as high, it doesn't stem from as high as Keser, it comes from the level of Chochma, where there are actually distinctions, but they don't feel separate, they don't feel independent, they don't feel conflicted. Chesed and Gvur are not fighting. They don't see themselves as opposites. They see themselves as part of a harmonious whole because they are completely overwhelmed and therefore surrender to the consciousness of Hashem, the light of Hashem, the energy of Hashem. That's why it's called Chochmah. Oh, sorry, that's why Chochmah is called, including even the so-called finite components of Chochmah. It's all called Chayohi Oiris. It's all called life and energy. Whereas when Moshe speaks to the Jewish people, then he's speaking a language where you can feel numbers, limits, distinction, conflict. He's coming from the perspective of understanding because that's what understanding is. What's Chochmah? Chochmah is this brilliant moment. Like You don't see the details. You just see the overarching truth of a concept. That's Hatzilus. 
or Chachma Datzilus. Moish is already speaking the language of Bina. Hang on, let's understand. This goes here, that goes there. Let's try and make it all sensible because that's what understanding is. So now you start to see the distinctions and therefore everything has its boundaries. So you feel the Kalim, you feel the distinction, you feel the limitations. And so therefore the language he speaks is about numbers. When we learn Torah using both approaches, Pshat, Rashi's approach, which generally represents the revealed elements of Torah. Which is generally speaking the more finite elements within Torah. This is the halacha for that. It's a different halacha for this. That event happened at that particular time which was different to this event that happened at that time. This is how you deal with this situation. That's so-and-so's opinion versus so-and-so's opinion. The numbers of Torah. And then together with that, we learn the esoteric part of Torah, like for example, the Arizal's teachings, as Arizal famously said, that it's specifically in our latter generations that Mutter were permitted, and it's actually a requirement to reveal that part of Torah. And especially we are so privileged that in our time, these Galtabatarisachsidis, Chesidus has been revealed. The type of Chesidus that fills you, that satiates you, that gives you deep, meaningful understanding. So when you learn Nigla plus Chesidus, Chesidus is the part of Torah that is beyond separations, opinions, debates, machloikas, kashas, tirutzim. When we learn both the Nigla and the Pinimus Torah as one single, homogenous, harmonious Torah, then we'll see the fulfillment of that promise of the time when the number of the Jewish people will be beyond measure and beyond counting. In the time of Mashiach, that should happen exceptionally soon.